our reading is taken from St Mark, chapter 7, beginning at verse 24. <clears throat> Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it. Yet, he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. First, let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply you may go. The demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying on the bed and the demon gone. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of Decapolis. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk and they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. After he took him aside away from the crowd Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Ephephatha, which means be opened. At this the man's ears were opened. His tongue was loosened and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. This is the word of our Lord. Good morning. Before we start, shall we pray? May the words of my lips and the thoughts of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Now, although we have two miracles of healing in today's reading from Mark, I'm going to focus on the first encounter, uh, the healing of the daughter of the Syrophoenician woman. And I must say, I've had a bit of a struggle with this passage as I've thought about it and prayed about it in preparation for today. But first, a question, if I may. How did Jesus's first comment to the woman strike you? And there's no right or wrong answer to this, but I just wonder, were you shocked? Did it cause offence? Perhaps you've never thought about it. Here are his words again for us. He said, first, let the children eat all they want, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. And Jesus seems to call this woman a dog. And I've heard an ordained minister say he called her a bitch. And that really does sound offensive to our sensibilities, doesn't it? And much has been said and written about that comment. Some commentators have suggested that Jesus said this jokingly. But we don't know what his uh, facial expression 
and his tone of voice was like at that moment. It's been suggested that he did it to test the woman. That's a possibility, I suppose. And it's been suggested that Jesus here was showing his human Jewish cultural heritage. We're told that the term dog was a term applied by the Jews to the Gentiles as an insult. I suppose in the same way that the Greeks called non-Greek speakers barbarians because of the harsh sound of their languages to cultured Greek ears. And I'm sure the Gentiles had words to describe the Jews as well. And thinking back, I have to say that, and I'd never repeat them, but when I was young, some of the expressions that we used to describe others of different backgrounds were shocking. And it would be nice to think that we've left that sort of thing behind. But actually, we don't have to look too far, do we, to find the same sorts of things going on, the same sort of cultural, often ethnic terms being used. Sadly, it is still alive and well. It's just moved into the electronic world that we inhabit. How often do we hear about racial abuse, for instance, on social media? The damage it can do is intolerable. We could spend time thinking solely about that, but we need to move on. So let's say that whatever, the opening of today's passage certainly sounds harsh to modern ears. And it doesn't sit comfortably with our view of Jesus as full of love, mercy and compassion. I'm going to leave it there for now, because it would be too easy to get wrapped up in this one issue and miss what I think is a major point here. Inclusivity or exclusivity. Now the context for today's passage is revealing. Jesus has left Galilee and moved into Gentile territory, the area around Tyre. He's just clashed with a group of Pharisees over purity, relating to ritual hand washing. And Jesus has redefined clean and unclean. And now here he is in a place with a history of hostility to the Jews. And it's here that he finds simple trust. Just a quick word on those purity traditions. They were important to the Jews. They were amongst the things that made them stand out from other nations. Things that pointed to their special position in relation to God. That made them feel part of that nation through whom God was working out his plans. And now here was Jesus saying things that shook those foundations, instituting a new way as he declared the kingdom of God to be at hand. And so he's left his homeland where he was opposed by some people of influence and by some religious leaders, where he was doubted by his family, where he was followed by crowds often for the wrong reason and where, of course, he was accompanied by his disciples, who were still struggling to understand what was going on. But it was where he was recognised by demons, 
where he was trusted by outsiders and, as here, by the desperate. And now we see Jesus perhaps seeking a time of solitude and quiet when this woman interrupts. Should Jesus, a Jew, have had anything to do with her? She was a Gentile. She was clearly a pagan from the tradition of the Greek world, worshipping lots of different gods. She was Greek. And she lived in this traditionally hostile area. Her daughter was possessed by an impure spirit. And there's more. She came to Jesus alone and started a conversation with him. How many barriers were there? It took immense courage, in my view, for her to approach Jesus as she did. And Jesus, I suppose, as a Jew, should have sent her away. But thankfully, as we know, Jesus was a breaker of barriers and taboos. Think about his meeting with the woman at the well in Samaria. And now, just think for a moment. How many barriers has Jesus broken down in our lives so that we can receive God's love? And that woman, despite all that was against her, also had this simple trust. She had heard Jesus was present and she believed that he could help her. And when she arrived, she fell at his feet in an attitude of supplication as she asked for his help. And here we come back to the elephant in the room, or perhaps more appropriately, the dog under the table. We must be clear that the attitude to animals in the ancient world wasn't the same as ours, where a dog is man's best friend, as it were. The ancients had a much more pragmatic view. But it is interesting that the word Jesus uses for a dog, kunaria, is a diminutive form. It actually means little dog. And clearly, here, he was describing dogs that were part of the household, not the feral dogs that would have roamed the streets. And I feel Jesus simply paints a picture with words. In one clause, he describes his mission and ministry to the Jews. First, let the children eat all they want, he says, the children referring to the Jews. In Matthew's account of this meeting, Jesus is much more specific, saying, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Is he being exclusive? I believe not, because there is that important word first here, and that word anticipates a process, a process of spreading out beyond Israel. Do you recall the Great Commission at the end of Matthew's Gospel? When Jesus sent the disciples out saying, go and make disciples of all nations. And as far back as the call of Abram in Genesis, God says to him, all peoples on earth, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God's love and salvation was for everyone, 
Yes, beginning with the Jews, but then spreading out. Lovely picture that Jesus paints. And in response, the woman paints a slightly different picture when she says, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Now that's a picture that strikes a chord with me, and it might do with you too if you have a dog. Earlier this week, Sylvia and I went out for lunch, and as we were sitting there, a couple with their beautiful, enormous golden retriever came in and sat nearby. When their food arrived, the dog sat perfectly still, transfixed, concentrating on what was going on on the table in front of him, just waiting patiently for his opportunity. It's a beautiful image to hold. And it reminded me of mealtimes at home when our children were small, and our lovely dog would sit as close to the children as she could. Again, patiently waiting for any opportunity to benefit from anything that fell children that's always possible isn't it and I just thought that's today's reading being lived out and it's a brilliant picture for the woman in today's reading she wasn't asking Jesus to change his mission but to help her in her desperation simply to have the chance as it were to pick up the crumbs from the table and, you know, I'm amazed at her humility. She accepts that she has a particular place in the working out of God's plans. And I'm amazed, too, at her simple trusting faith in Jesus as love and compassion. What a contrast that is with those people in Galilee and Judea who rejected and sought to destroy Jesus. And of course, Jesus helps. We witness his authority and his power yet again, as with just a word, the woman's daughter is healed. And, you know, thinking about this episode has left me with questions. Of course, as the church and as Christians and in line with the great command to love our neighbours as ourselves, we are inclusive, aren't we? And I recommend uh, the second reading for today, from uh, the letter of James, chapter 2, verses 1 to 10, for more on that. But in light of our living out of the great love commandment, I wonder who are our Syrophoenicians, as it were? The outsiders, the ones in need. And how do we show God's love for them? How do we respond, for instance, to the tragedy that's playing out on our television screens in Kabul? Or to the potential Afghan refugee who might arrive here in Fair Oak? 
or to those individuals and families in our midst who live in Eastleigh, in this area, who are in need, and actually so often are in need of knowing God's love in their lives. Or how do we respond to those things that I mentioned earlier? The racial, social, physical and other forms of abuse that are still with us and that slam doors shut on outsiders, as it were, that lead to exclusivity. And that word, well, I'll use exclusive, despite its modern connotation of something special, perhaps something to be aspired to, you know, what do you think of when you see an advert for an exclusive club or an exclusive hotel? Something really special. But it actually means keeping out or excluding someone or something. And that is in direct conflict with what we know. That God's love recognises no boundaries. That's a good place to stop, isn't it? God's love recognises no boundaries. How can we live that out in our lives? Amen.